This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! Do you or someone you know suffer from poor circulation, shortness of breath, or chest pains? Are you looking for a more natural solution to help overcome these problems? People tell us that after just a few months taking Extendivite, their doctors have noticed unexplainable improvements in their overall health. For more information, visit heartdrop.com or call 1 877 928 8822. Extend your life with And tell them Nighthawk sent you because if you call this number and tell them Nighthawk sent you, you'll get $5 off your first order at extendivite.com. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Welcome to Sacred Matrix, a divine paradigm of love and universal consciousness, with your host, Janet Kira Lesson and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Together, we transform the world. And now, here are your hosts, Janet Kira and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Sacred Matrix on Revolution Radio at revolution.radio. And I'm your host, Janet Kira Lesson, with our co-host, Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson. Producer is Thomas Becker, and today our guest is Steve Colburn. And Stephen, Steve is a chemist, material, material scientist with over 20 years of industrial experience and several patents for industrial processes related, relating to nanotechnology. He's currently working in the area of carbon nanotubes and working to start a nanotechnology company. In the UFO field, Steve does high-tech analysis of alien implants, UFO crash debris, and other physical evidence found on or around experiencers of alien contact. He was a partner of the late Dr. Roger Lear from 2008 until his death in 2014 and did an analysis on several of the implants that Dr. Lear removed from his patients including the last three patients, 17, 16, and 15. Steve was also present at these last three implant removal surgeries. In addition to analysis, Steve is currently doing instrument scans of clients that believe they may have had alien contact for evidence of the presence of alien implants and signs of recent alien contact. 
So we have a lot to talk about with Steve. Before we bring Steve on, though, Dr. Lesson, what would you like to say? Uh, I'm really interested in the implants, especially since my wife's got them. Oh, really? That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, his wife is me. <laughs> uh, I have one behind my right ear, one in my okay. left sinus. Uh, there was something done to my right tibia when I was about 16, and it hurt. It hurt for like three years. I had scoop marks. There was definitely an indentation in the right tibia from, I guess, they removed. Uh, you might know about that, why they take it from certain areas or why they implant you in certain areas. And then I was told by a psychic who did a cold reading on me. I never met her before. And she was describing my implants and where they were. So she identified psychically that there were several um, up, up, up in, under the, the lymph nodes in the arms, in the armpits. She said that those were protecting me from different diseases. She was identifying what the purposes were. Uh, you know, the one, I think uh, one was for tracking. Uh, one was to help me, um, prevent me from getting certain diseases. Uh, she STDs when I was out dating again. So I don't know if you have that level of information, but first let's just start by saying hi, Steve. <laughs> and um, you might want to fill in the gaps with what I said about you. What else would you like to tell our listeners about who you are and your work in this first part here? I'm, just, I'm very interested in, um, in uh, physical evidence of um, the alien presence on Earth and um, I've, uh, I've done a lot of analysis of alien implants and um, uh, reported um, UFO crash debris. And um, I've got enough information at this point to um, uh, speculate on uh, the function of these, um, of these items. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting you're talking about the, uh, the psychic's uh, assessment of um, uh, how, or what the purpose of the implants is. That, that's pretty close to what, uh, what we thought as well. That, they serve uh, tracking um, uh, disease uh, prevention and or uh, medical monitoring or um, uh, sensory monitoring uh, uh, purposes. Right. Well, I, it seems they know where I am, wherever I go. I'm a lifelong contact oh, experiencer. Yeah, that's, that's I, I tell everybody you can't run away from this. It's been tried, but um, they definitely know. We've, we've, we've had enough anecdotal reports to know that you can't run away from this, and they definitely uh, know where you are at all times if you're uh, an experiencer. So do you have any implants, Steve? Um, yeah, I've got, um, I've got, uh, I remember one being put um, uh, up my nose. I don't know if it's in my sinus or, or where it is. I can't see it on x-ray, but I know it's probably there. Um, uh, I'm going to try to get an MRI to try to find it, and I've got uh, one above each ear. Um, above the uh, the skull and below the scalp, and they're real, they're real small ones, um, and those are pretty typical. And uh, the one up the nose is also pretty pretty standard. And uh, mm -hmm. I appear to have one in the back of the neck, um, about the third vertebrae down, and um, that's also pretty typical of um, lifelong experiencers. And I had one in my toe that uh, Dr. Lee removed, and um, I analyzed. I was patient number 15 in his um, implant removal project. And um, wow. that's all that I that I know of. I may have others, but um, 
Usually well, lifelong experiencers have more than one implant from what we've been seeing. Mm -hmm. That's good to note because uh, I, I definitely have more than one. I wasn't aware of the one in the vertebrae, but I do have some problems. Do, do you? I okay. Do you remember getting them? I clearly remember when they put the one up my nose and the, the one behind my right. Mine is behind my right ear, and it's in two parts. And I uh, was taken to the doctor because I uh, I came in. I was a, a very small, uh, a toddler. Uh, probably about four years old, and I came in and said, Mommy, Mommy, a bee uh, stung me, but it wasn't a bee. It, it, I couldn't explain it. It was, it was probably a little um, a little probe that was buzzing around me, and then it knocked me out, and then they took me on board the craft and, and, and did their uh, yeah, implant. That, 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 sounds, that, that sounds plausible. Um, well, I remember when uh, I remember under regression uh, when they put the uh, the toe implant and the uh, one above my right ear in, um, and without regression, I remembered that I had two more implants and that they'd been there during the night. But I remembered actually them doing it uh, when I was regressed, and I remember and I, I remembered spontaneously them doing the uh, the up the nose implant. Did you have any reactions to any of your implants? I certainly did. Well, um, the um, the one um, the one that they put up my nose, um, I uh, got when I was five, and uh, my parents said that I um, I immediately took an interest in anything to do with space, like turning on a switch. And um, um, when they put the one on my toe, it, it, um, it one of the reactions it gave an electric shock type pain. At first, it was a weird stinging pain, and then uh, over the next few days, it, it developed a very really strange electric shock type pain. Whenever I put any weight on that toe, uh, which I think was the nerve cells growing into the device, uh, these things are innervated by the nervous system, and uh, there's some chemical cue that causes the nerve cells to grow into it. And um, uh, I also felt a little bit different, it's just very, very subtly, and I felt back to my old self when it was removed. Um, uh, it's, it's really hard to. How old were you when you got the uh, toe one? Uh, I was, um, I was, uh, see, that was in 2048, um, and uh, wow. that, was, that, was, that was during a period of high activity um, after we had our uh, third child, my ex-wife and I, and um, um, not sure why they put it in, it was a medical, I think it was a medical monitoring device, um, but um, I think they wanted, uh, they, they wanted to, um, um, me to start an investigation and uh, find out about these things and spread the information. Yeah, they want, they right, want people so that are ready to hear the message to hear it, but they don't want people, um, the, the general public, to be panicked by this uh, by this stuff. Yeah, when I had my nose one done, I I was in I was about five. Yeah, I was in kindergarten, just started yeah, kindergarten. That, that, that age is pretty standard too for that implant, by the way. But I started to sneeze so bad uh, that my mother let me stay home from school. I just could not stop sneezing. It was nonstop. And it made my nose just run horribly. And then I have chronic sinusitis. I think it was <laughs> the start of my whole life kind of being unhealthy. Because maybe they, you know, went, it went bad or something. But uh, it's just made me uh, sick all my life with the chronic sinusitis. And then I get polyps that grow. So... Maybe mine well, that, was a defective model. That particular implant is made of a conductive polymer. That they told me that in one experience, and um, 
Uh, I was sent uh, one that was um, that was put into somebody's nose and sneezed out. It didn't go up all the way into the brain, apparently. And um, it, and uh, I analyzed it, and it is made of a conductive polymer, so that was uh, confirmation for me. That's always nice to have. And um, they oh. said that uh, they said that the the implant uses proteins from the bloodstream, uh, from the blood plasma, to form um, uh, tendrils, uh, like like wires, uh, all throughout the brain to, to certain strategic points. And um, they said they can use that implant to hear and see what you're hearing and seeing in real time, and probably hear what you're thinking as mm -hmm. well. Wow, that's interesting. Well, I because uh, the gray hive mind. Good. Oh, and connect you to the great high mark, meow. Yeah. Uh, because I've always been telepathic. So when I went to a doctor, and then, then I'll get let you ask a question, Sasha, but just one more statement. Um, I, I went to the doctor because I was getting, um, you know, operations on my nose ever since I was a teenager, you know, like 13. Because um, they, they were so bad, the pulps were so bad. And I finally went to uh, a doctor when I was in my 20s. And she showed me the x-ray. She goes, why do you have a hole in your head? <laughs> so one of my whole sinuses was missing. It's like they it, like, they took out the sinus from the sinus cavity. Yeah, it makes it, And it, she it, said, you have a hole in your head. From what, from what I've seen of, um, of experiencers, it um, makes quite a hole when they put the, um, the implant in, uh, that particular implant, and it takes quite a while to heal, too, if it ever does completely heal. Well... Well, I heard from somebody, I can't remember who it was, maybe you do, Sash. Um, one of them went went wrong, went bad, and the, and the young person died. Was that you, Steve, or another experiencer that was... And do you uh, remember who that was, Sasha? It was Elizabeth, and uh, she said that the guy that was in the program with her, these kids were kidnapped uh, or abducted together. Uh, and they got, but they didn't consider kidnapped or abducted because they, they had fun. They had sex with each other and stuff. And this kid was one that she'd played with that way. And uh, uh, he, he uh, suddenly, he was dead in his room. No one knew what it was all about. He had a hole in his head. And uh, she knew it was because they made a mistake. The technician made a mistake. And so she was afraid after that. And then it became abductions to her because she felt. Uh, oh shit! What if they make a mistake? So these guys are careless sometimes, but they don't. But they ensured her that they did not intend to hurt this other fellow, kill him, or hurt anybody. But they make mistakes sometimes. What the hell? Yeah, yes, they do. They, they don't usually make mistakes, but they have. They can, and they have. And there are a certain number of casualties from this um, this program for sure. And um, they they told me that uh, speaking of that uh, particular implant, they they told me that. Um, once it once it deploys and integrates itself into the um, into the nervous system, um, it could be fatal to remove it. It becomes part of the system. Yeah, I would imagine that if it's integrating into your brain, that uh, you don't want to yeah. just anybody in there taking it out. Um, yeah, can, I wonder what doctors. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they can. Uh, they can. Um, uh, implant uh, suggestions for that implant too. I was just going to mention, um, and the subject usually thinks, usually uh, finds them hard to ignore because they always think it's their idea, at least, uh, at, least yeah. at the time. And uh, I don't think there's enough connections to do direct control, but uh, you can get at least part. They can get at least partial control of the subject that way. 
So how do you know if you're con- so if all these people have sinus bunches, are we all a bunch of zombies, <laughs> or do we have any free will in there? What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, we, we, I, I think we still got plenty of free will, but <clears throat> you don't necessarily know if uh, if that obsessive thought that's coming your way is yours or whether they're putting it in your head. Uh, do they have an agenda? If you if you have a really a really uh, a really obsessive thought that just comes out of nowhere and you, you can't seem to ignore it very easily, that 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 might be one of those one of their suggestions. Well, one of mine is to create world peace and to free up the oceans and to you know stop wars. So maybe that's where I get the obsessiveness about. But it seems to be my whole life's motivation is to create a you know higher level of civilization. Can it be well, something? Positive. Uh, that's probably a mission like a statement. There, there's a there, there's a more complex suggestion that's like a mission statement that they, they seem to give everybody, um, and um, uh, it's either it seems to be either that what you're describing or an obsession with the end of the world, nuclear war, stuff like that, and, uh, destruction of the environment, um, and um, uh, th- those two are very common ones anyway. From what I've seen. Do you have a mission? Do you think you have a mission? We- me? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I've got the second. I've got the second mission statement. I've always been obsessed with nuclear war and the end of the world, and uh, feel like I've got some sort of a, some sort of a mission to fulfill um, during the um, end times or whatever you want to call them. Um, and I've, I've talked to a lot of other experiencers that feel the same way. That feel like they've, they've got um, either a mission like yours or a mission like mine. Were you ever shown the timelines? I talked to Tolik, and he was shown timelines um, uh, and shown the destruction. No, I've never been shown a timeline. I, I got the impression that the timeline was top secret, at least uh, um, at least until right before uh, right before it happens, maybe at the most a year a year or so before it happens. But um, I know it's going to be according to what they've said. They've, they've you know they've either either lied or been incorrect or the timelines change or something before uh, because not all their not all their uh, statements come true but um, they, um, they they say it's going to be soon there'll be um, a war and an asteroid impact in the ocean that's going the tsunami of which is going to wipe out the east coast and disease and but um, uh, <clears throat> happening to reduce the earth's population yeah, they, they tend to give us that apocalypto scenario. I, I was shown 24 timelines, and they were all different. There were 12 that were towards the destructive end, and there were 12 that were the utopian end. And then once, and it wasn't just visual. It was like, it was like uh, I was in there, but 360. I could see everything at once, you know. It, it was beyond sight and sound. I could feel everything. It, it went into my being. Yeah. I could smell and see. It was more than just a screen showing it. So I just want to make sure people understand that it was uh, in all the, the senses. Of simulation they use to mm-hmm. impart information mm-hmm. to people. And um, um, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Uh, they showed me through that that um, that there's an asteroid on the way that's going to hit um, probably in 2020 sometime. Oh, that and, sounds like um, fun. <laughs> I think that, I think the, uh, off the tip of Greenland, and the, I think the timeline has, uh, by the way, changed several times. I do get that impression that um, this is not the original timeline that we were on. Well, they had me choose the timeline, and then um, when uh, what do you call it? The uh, Philadelphia 
experiment uh, moved to Blog Talk. So they start in um, August, what was it, August 12th, 1943, and then they moved to um, Blog Talk, New York. And so every 20 years when the biorhythms of the planet are aligned, they do another major uh, time change experiment because that's when it's most, it's easiest to manipulate and control and change things. So by 63, I could tell, you know, August 12th, 63, I could tell, I could feel the difference. And then, uh, of course, Kennedy was shot, you know, was that November 22nd or 23rd of 63? And I went, oh, that's not the timeline I was on. I didn't say it that way, but I felt, you know, I was only a little girl, you know, but I was so shocked because it was just so, it was so not on my timeline. (laughs) That's all I can say. It was not... Not the reality that, I, and then of course, it went. It kept going with the, you know, Martin Luther and, and Bobby and all that stuff. So, um, but I, I think they've changed it. They played with it a lot to, um, yeah. you know, yeah, was, get what they want. The number five, five times comes to mind, but you know, I don't know if that's if that's for sure true or not. But that's what comes to my mind. Mhm. Wow. So you, uh, Sash, your question. I don't. Yeah, just. Uh, Put your hand up, Sasha. <laughs> what do you want to talk? Just speak up. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. This. It's. It's very interesting from a, uh, my perspective as an existentialist. Uh, the intention uh, of uh, of any uh, anything is manifest in in, in uh, uh, what, the results. And so, if we have an apocalypse or apocalypse upon us, I can say if we created this intention uh, you know what is its function and I see the function of the apocalyptic uh, vision to which you uh, say is one of our options both of you say is one of our options is that it, it makes us really uh, carpe diem seize this this moment to uh, become the uh, one you want to be right now this is your this is your opportunity so that's one function I would say of, of the, the apocalyptic uh, uh, vision and uh, of course the other is it may be driving us to the singularity where we can realize we can solve almost all of our problems technologically as long as we open our hearts and feel compassion I mean, I, that's my take on it yeah I think that's true I've always been a big believer in uh, in solving our problems technologically it's just that politics seems to get in the way um, and um, I think that um, that the um, the apocalypse will um, kind of bring people together and back down to earth in a lot of ways and cut through the politics and um, uh, lessen the environmental destruction that we're doing to the planet. And um, I, um, I think, I think that also that the system, um, I believe they, they told me this, that this system has to die before something better comes into its uh, place. Or the world, not just this country or anything. Well, I get a lot of downloads this ongoing. Um, yeah, I, I, I get whole systems uh, downloaded to me of how a species uh, you know, have governance of their worlds and how they operate. And and this one here, this, uh, I don't know, a lot of people will be offended, but this so-called democracy is very a, a very primitive system where a uh, majority kind of rules over uh in its most primitive form, democracy is not a, not a good thing. It's just, it's just tyranny of the majority. So the majority can be mm-hmm. as tyrannical as any dictator. Right. Uh, it, has to be temp- it has to be tempered by uh, good 
representatives, a, a Republican form of government is, is supposed to be what we have, where the public has a voice, but it's tempered by good leaders, and we just don't have good leaders right now is the problem. Yeah, we don't have good leaders, and uh, it's like a, there's so many laws that get voted in and out based on who's at the top, who's top dog, and that uh, violates somebody's uh, rights. <laughs> there's always somebody's rights are being taken away, somebody's freedom. Um, so, well, so that gave me like whole time no, to no accountability and there's no accountability in government, and um, they uh, they've usurped uh, powers that uh, that they they shouldn't have. This country was founded on the uh, principle of limited government, and uh, people have forgotten that apparently. Sasha has a question. He's raising his hand. Sure. Or a comment. Go ahead, sweetheart. <laughs> Go ahead. Sasha? Sasha? Hey. Can you hear me? Try. Can yeah, you hear I can me? hear you. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so, so you know, what? it's a really interesting thing, and it's called the perennial philosophy. But if you just are true to yourself, and you start with what is this self, and the more you start to really uh, uh, reflect upon yourself, we call this epoche, the more you uh, reflect upon yourself, the wider that starts to become so that what you consider, what I consider myself includes Janet, my wife, and includes humanity, and calls, includes all beings, and you can see that in every culture, whatever your particular symbol system is, it's this expanding a self-sense that allows you to identify with everything and be at peace with it. There's a very loud noise in the background. Do you hear that? Yeah. Do you want to try the headphones, honey? Try those headphones I gave you. Yeah, because you're getting some feedback or, or something. Or, or take your volume down just a little notch. Yeah, go... Um, I'm sorry. What did, uh, what did you want to say about what Sasha just said, Steve? I, I missed part of it because there was a, a very loud uh, feedback noise or something. Okay, try that again, honey, because uh, you were getting feedback. Do you have your headphone on? Uh, no, I don't. It, was, it had nothing to do with my machine at all because it's something else that was happening. Because mm. now I don't have it okay. on. Can you hear me? Yeah, now we all can I hear was, you. You're that the perennial philosophy that we anthropologists have found almost everywhere is that uh, one thing that happens is when a person is just true to themselves and they c contemplate that self, the, uh, that self-sense becomes larger and larger. We call that p placing ourselves in epoche until ultimately you identify uh, with the whole thing and understand that that's the that you can include all of the levels of consciousness in your as uh, parts of your uh, larger self, and uh, the parts are real, and the whole is real too. And, and when you get to that space, uh, whatever your simple system is, you can just uh, 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 relax and realize things are perfect just the way they are, and the challenge you feel uh, and your frustrations that you feel are just part of the uh, of, of the perfect situation that you've got it's perfect for you and perfect for the universe it sounds like you're talking about becoming more more noble to um, to consider other people's problems uh, as, as well as your own to do things for the common good um, yes yeah um, yeah I, that makes sense to me that uh, that that uh, being true to yourself would lead to that. Uh, you cannot be um, 
a person of integrity without being true to yourself, that's for sure. Right. Um, when you had contact, uh, and I know this is a common experience, they actually explored it on that show, People of Earth, but have, were you told that you are special or you have something that you're going to do that's special, that's going to contribute? It's almost yes. like a crisis consciousness implant. Yeah, what they, did they, they tell they you? They, they tell all of us that, some version of that, that we're, um, we're the chosen, uh, we're special, and um, that uh, we're going to save the earth someday. They, they, told me, they told me that people like me were going to save the earth someday and save, um, save humanity someday, and they told me that, that we're the best of humanity and that, uh, that we're um, a new race destined to um, uh, uh, multiply or something or come to greatness or something like that. Um, what did they tell you? Oh, they told me that I have come to um, Earth to do something which will benefit all of humankind. And so I was probably four at that time. And then I went into the house and I contemplated. And then I went to my mother and I said, Mom, I want to go talk to God. Will you let me go to Sunday school? And the church, it was a Presbyterian church, they said, uh, well, they won't let you in until you turn five. You're too young. You're only four. And so I, I got all bummed out. And then I guess I must have had another communication with my BTs. And I came back and, and I was kind of instructed what to say. And I, I said to her, no, Mom, if you go and ask them to let your, your little girl in who wants to learn about God, they will let you uh, let me in. And they did. <laughs> and so... Of course, once I got in there after a few years, I go, this is a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> this isn't God. I was I was wanting to have the same experience I had, which was basically like a conscious. Um, they let me remember my experience when I was four. I never forgot it. Totally conscious. And mm. I had I didn't have to go into hypnosis to recover that. I totally. But of course, when you remember something like that, you can't go back and tell the people on earth you know you can't tell your parents or your brother and sister and they somehow gave me the wisdom not to go in and say that to my people that were my family um but when i was what i noticed was when i was on board ship i was my eternal self so i was in my little you know four-year-old human form but my consciousness had expanded to my eternal self to my awareness of myself in the my role in the cosmos but then we come back into your body. They, you know, they have to put you back into your, your little Janet uh, program consciousness, so you don't, you know, be, so you aren't deemed insane, you know, and they start treating you weird. So, you know, it was good. They protected me all the way around, uh, but it was totally conscious. And then um, I don't remember else what I was going to say, but I'll, I'll speak up if it comes back to me. There's something else I want to say about that. Well, oh, they gave me the Mandela effect. They showed me. They showed me two major timelines. So they said, based on the decision that I made uh, of the timeline I chose, and and they said that when when you came on board ship, the first movie, because they, they made a theater for me that looked like a movie, right? A movie theater. Right. And I hadn't been to one yet. Back in the 50s, they didn't take children under five to movie theaters. So that was the other thing I wanted to do. They said... The first movie you're going to see now is Hercules Unleashed. 
But when he came up, the first movie you were going to see was Hercules. So that was 58 and 59, and I somehow switched some things between 1958 and 1959. Um, so, <laughs> uh, then I went and I asked my mom to take me to a movie. Uh, I guess, and it took a little while, but I finally got to—I got to have that thing. But that was the Mandela effect. I was—I was showing that you can, if you choose a different timeline, you're going to have different outcomes uh, from where you are. So I, I think we can choose them. They were showing me 24 majors. They said there's endless timelines, but here's the 24 that close res closely resonate with each other. And depending on your choices in life, you'll go down. Uh, those one of those 24 timelines you, you might switch as an individual what I, my understanding was I can switch timelines um, based on my decisions more than that Janet uh, if you were Hercules or uh, you know if your Hercule, uh, Herculean part were unchained what would you be like what are you like <laughs> when you're Hercules unchained that's funny you know, getting back to what you were talking well, about before, that uh, it's very interesting yeah. that you uh, you felt a different consciousness when you were on board ship. Um, I had a similar experience when um, I uh, first was uh, was regressed. I, I, I realized that that they'd set up a different personality for me uh, for when I'm with them. That's that's more like my my real self, and down here is just a is a a different personality that's designed just for to get along. With maximum efficiency on Earth, and it, it struck me as kind of like the movie Total Recall. If you ever saw that, where where they uh, they programmed Arnold with a different personality for a mission, and um, and he does like his regular personality and his Mars personality, or that he was that he had when he was on this mission, <clears throat> this mission. And <clears throat> I think that's why you don't remember very much about what happened during experiences. The memories are still there, but they're on a different personality track. It's like like a different a different tape of. Uh, of memories or different different storage uh, um, uh, line of memories, whatever you want to call it. Does that makes well. Sense? That's probably true. They they do that. They split people and create um, subpersonalities right. or alters right. uh, for yeah, like the super our, space our program and too, stuff with, like their, that. with their telepathic power, they can probably do it very easily. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and make a split personality. Oh, Sasha wants to say something. Go ahead, baby. <laughs> he turns on his camera. Uh, once okay. Said, uh, one of the most interesting uh, things when I, you know, I regress uh, people, uh, 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 and I regress them when they're in subpersonalities. We start from our center, and then we move into different subpersonalities. And when I regress somebody's inner critic, or their, uh, 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 you know, wild adolescent, or their soldier subself, whatever it is. It has a whole different history of past lives than other uh, subselves have, or that the uh, that the or that the uh, primary self has, for that matter. And people can access those. And so, I would always say in psychotherapy, you know, uh, and, and s s uh, s uh, above, so uh, below, and so within the subpersonalities. Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so what I got is that they've always loved and respected me, and they do things to protect me. So if I would have gone back and said, 
I was on board the ship and I talked to God and I, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, they probably would have treated me differently. Uh, so it, it seemed like I was um, protected. In fact, they said to me, I wonder if anybody else has gotten this. Uh, you're, you're being protected from, there's a faction that we don't want to know that you exist yet and that you're being protected and that we're always protecting you. And it seems like my whole life, it yeah. just seems very magical that I'm being guided and I'm being protected. And that, and I definitely feel love. I feel love from um, these beings. And then, you know, I, I've, I've been to the different council meetings and large meetings, large groups of, the, I went to one, there was over 100,000 individual species. There was no, there were no two members of the same species, just one from each species in a big giant facility where you could see 360 everybody it was like a big arena and um there were a hundred thousand plus unique individual species and i was there representing the earth but i wasn't the only one they rotate i mean you might have been there for all you know but they let that was another one they let me come back with full conscious memories and i and i was an adult living with sasha and i i came back from that one and i was bilocating for a while i was I was aware I was in my bedroom, and I could hear, I have a stream outside my window, bedroom window, and I, and I could hear the birds, and it was, and I, you know, I was aware, my eyes were closed, but I was aware that the sun was coming up, and, you know, it was after dawn, and it was getting brighter, and, but I was still, I could just kind of, like, focus, and I would still be back at this large meeting with all these people, and so I was bilocating, it was really weird, very, but I was so excited when I, I finally, um, you know, popped fully back into this reality. But I don't think I was, maybe I wasn't there physically. I'm not sure. Sometimes they take us physically right, and sometimes we go in a, yeah, our astral yeah, spirit be, form. What's, astral what's your awareness? Certainly. Um, I would call yeah, them abductions. Not, not, not all of them are, all of them are <laughs> physical. I think, I think uh, uh, most of them are, but not all of them. I've had those astral yeah. before. Yeah, I don't call them abductions anymore. I'm so excited when I have these well, experiences. Yeah, neither, neither, neither do yeah. I. I mean, you, you really don't have much of a choice, so you might as well just get used to it and just cooperate. Um, and uh, there's there's positive aspects to this. That's what I tell everybody. You get, you get to fly in space and know things other people don't know. And um, I think just focusing on the positive is the best thing. And I think their, I think their agenda probably is uh, uh, for the, uh, the, the common good, anyway. I believe him on that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's positive, but, you know, who knows? But I, I get a positive vibe. It's not like uh, I'm not afraid. They have, they actually right now are coming in my, you know, they, they will come into my living room. And, you know, it's broad daylight. And they'll come into the living room and they'll stand by, well, my bed's down in the living room because I have a leaky roof. So they'll come in the living room and they'll stand right there by the side of the bed. Uh, one time they showed up in, in a, like a tall, over five foot owl. And, you know, I opened my eyes and it was, it was daylight. And it was early morning. And I said, oh, come on, really? And then it immediately shape-shifted to a gray. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, just kidding. You know, that type of thing. They, they seem to have a sense of humor. Yeah. Have yeah, you had any? Have a, um, have a, a strange sense of humor. Dr. Lear commented on that as well. Oh, tell us what Dr. Lear said. Let's talk about. 
Dr. Lear a little bit. Tell us about your life with working with Dr. Lear. Oh, well, um, um, on, uh, I, I got the implant on in my toe on uh, February, I believe it was February 28th, uh, 2008. Uh, I was staying in the house alone, um, and um, my wife just had our daughter, and uh, she was staying over with her mom's house for a few, at her mom's house for a few days. And I decided to to uh, stay at the house alone uh, this one night to water the plants and stuff. And I got tired, and decided I was just going to sleep there. And um, I heard some noises, and I went out in the backyard and saw these two huge raccoons that were one of them was like seventy pounds, and it was like fifty pounds. I'd never seen any raccoons anywhere near that size before. I didn't even know they got that big. But um, they seemed semi-tame. I, I fed the animals some uh, cat food so they wouldn't eat all of our uh, avocados and, and uh, went to bed. And um, um, I woke up in the morning and, and uh, discovered that um, there was some blood on my sheets and, and uh, this weird stinging pain in my toe. And, I, and I, my head hurt a little bit on the right side. And I just knew that I didn't remember anything, but I just knew that they were there in the middle of the night and that I had two more implants. And um, there had been all kinds of stuff going on um, prior to this. Um, uh, my wife reported uh, being scanned by what looked like a piece of a big piece of sheet steel that that, that uh, was on end and moving uh, from one end to the other on um, uh, on her body, and like it was scanning her, and had um, what looked like weird electrical discharges coming out of it. And she tried to wake me up to see it, and when, the second I started waking up, it turned into a red beam of light. She said and shot out the window. And uh, she had triangle marks on her abdomen when she was pregnant and just a bunch of weird stuff. And um, um, so uh, uh, after I got the implant, I, I wanted to go get an x-ray to see uh, if there was anything in there. And I knew there, there probably was, but I wanted to find out for sure. So Dr. Lear only worked a few blocks from where I used to work in Camarillo, California. And uh, I made an appointment with him. And and uh, said I had uh, a, a pain in my toe, and um, uh, he said to come back if it doesn't go away. And I came back the next week and told him it was uh, due to a probable alien uh, implant. And I don't know if he believed me at first, but he gave me a prescription to have it x-rayed and told them to give, give a copy to me. And so uh, they gave me a copy of the film and after they x-rayed it. And uh, I couldn't wait to hold it up to the light and uh, see, what, see if anything was in there and I knew I was going to see something, but when I did, that that changed my life completely. I mean, there, there's a heck of a difference. I always tell people between uh, strongly suspecting that knowing something that something like this is happening and knowing for sure. Um, in that moment, I knew for sure. So um, uh, he uh, expressed a strong interest in uh, in removing it, and um, so after about seven months, uh, he took it out and it broke into several pieces on removal and. Um, the pieces all lined up in their original order when it was in uh, in the storage. That, that really astonished him. And uh, he said he didn't have any place to uh, have it tested. So I said, well, you know, just give me a couple of pieces and I'll um, analyze it at my, my work. I, had, um, I was working at a material science place and they had all kinds of uh, uh, state-of-the-art instruments uh, like a scanning electron microscope and, um, um, you know, FTIR and Ramon and just uh, every instrument you could care to name pretty much. So... I analyzed the objects and uh, wrote a report uh, um, on uh, on the analysis, and um, uh, then uh, he and I partnered up, and I went back and uh, analyzed uh, some of the implants that 
he'd removed that he hadn't uh, analyzed adequately or at all before, and I uh, was present for the next two implant removals. Um, and um, so it was, it was quite a run. I mean, I really, I really liked Dr. Leary. He was one of my best friends, and um, he was uh, one of the best uh, ufologists I've ever seen. He had a lot of knowledge that nobody else uh, has, has to my knowledge. Um, and um, it was a great loss to uh, the field when he died. Um, I wish he'd um, been able to stick around a while longer. But, um, you know... I've yeah, I, I, I saw him several times at conferences. He was very interesting. His work was, was phenomenal. Yeah, very, yeah. Very, very, very interesting man. And uh, he um, uh, really had a unique uh, perspective. And... Um, yeah, going to conventions isn't really as much fun without them, that's for sure. Now, were they all in, in the, the extremities? Uh, I mean, that would be kind of uh, leery about anybody taking something out of my head. You know, I would want to just do that uh, out of curiosity. Um, now, I, I wasn't aware I, I had any in my arms or legs. Were all the ones that he did in, in arms and legs, or were any in other parts of the body that he removed? Uh, let's see, he removed, um, I think, another, one, one more from the toe and um, a couple from the, 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 the foot in general and um, mm-hmm. uh, one, one from a guy's wrist, another from uh, a finger or hand, another one from the jaw. Um, and in, in general, the objects uh, are implanted in either the head or the extremities. Um, I only know one case where a guy has uh, an implant in his, in his torso. Um, in fact, that's an interesting case because, in addition to being really rare, um, uh, a magnet sticks to his chest at that point. <laughs> it's very, uh, very. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And he also reported that when he had an MRI done, um, uh, the whole area vibrated as if there were a, a wire coming off it that was vibrating in, in response to the magnetic field. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I, that is interesting. I mean, you're not supposed to have metal in an MRI, so these things are organic. Uh, for the most are organic, part, some are organic and some are metallic. Um, the the one that came out of my toe had a metallic core. Um, uh, most of them in the extremities have a metallic core. Um, the one that they do up the nose is all organic. It's a conductive polymer, and um, the, um, there's moving ones, too, that we have not uh, been able to uh, get samples of that, that move under the skin. Uh, uh, Willie Strieber has one of those uh, behind his ear, and um, a Dr. Lerma from Texas tried to remove it um, once, and uh, it, it ran away from his scalpel, but he, he managed to get um, a small scraping of it and set it at cilia on it. I'd like to see the data sometime, but... Uh, it's never really been they've never really been analyzed to my knowledge, but I suspect that they're they're uh, made of a conductive polymer too. But that's really that's really part of the communication. Wait, there goes my mic. That's part of the communication. There is this wonderful substance, this polymer uh, that they've left us traces and we are just smart enough to figure out what it is or at least be closer to figuring out what it is and how to do it ourselves because of these pieces these itty bitty it's it's a clue Uh, and so tell us what you know about this stuff about the polymer well the polymer I'm sure is I I know I know that the uh, 
that the ones uh, that go up the nose are a conductive polymer, but that's all I could really um, really gather from the data I've got uh, as far as exactly what it is. Um, it, it's probably too complicated for uh, complete analysis, but there are we, we have uh, examples of some conductive polymers in the lab here, like polyacetylene and polythiophene and uh, polyaniline and a couple others, and um, uh, I, I would think that they're probably uh, mixtures of similar uh, polymers, um, but a lot more complex uh, and allowing for uh, a von Neumann machine type of self-assembly uh, of uh, wires from the device. Um, and um, uh, it's, it's probably going to be a while, and we'll probably have to develop uh, better analytical techniques to find out exactly the, you know, the exact structure of these uh, of these of these um, not compounds, but these um, the polymeric materials. Um, well, what makes you think they come from uh, from off planet or or or, or, or are they igneous or uh, how, is there any way you can determine their origin? Uh, with the with the polymeric ones, uh, no, probably not. Um, with the metallic ones, they definitely come from off planet because um, the. Uh, the trace element uh, pattern uh, was uh, very similar to um, uh, that of a, uh, at least the one from my toe, is very similar to, to a uh, that of a nickel iron meteorite uh, of a class called hexahedrites. And um, mm -hmm. uh, we also saw indications on um, a couple of them and also some, from some of the alien crash debris of um, uh, uh, strange... Um, uh, non-standard isotopic ratios of the elements in um, in the metal uh, that would indicate also that it came from off-planet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, we, we, de we definitely have indications that, uh, that at least, at least uh, most of these uh, uh, objects came from off-planet, the materials did anyway. So what else would you like to tell us about Dr. Lear's research before we go into another topic? Uh, well, he, um, he knew a lot about the Skinwalker Ranch, um, and uh, he related a story to me um, uh, about, uh, about that. He said that um, the, uh, the former owner of the Skinwalker Ranch had a bunch of prized bulls, and um, you, you said before that the aliens had a strange sense of humor, a sense of humor, and he, he said the same thing. He said that um, that they once found these prized bulls um, packed into some small storage shed, like eight of them or so, packed into a, like a small storage shed with all with them all like tangled up with each other in complex ways that they couldn't possibly get out. And um, uh, it was it was almost like you took uh, if you had transporter technology, it was almost like you you took that and beam them in there in some strange way in a, in a, in a geometrical pattern such that they, they couldn't possibly um, extricate themselves and they had to tear, tear the shed down oh. to get them out. But they were, they were unharmed. They were not harmed at all. <laughs> and, uh, he had That's horrible. They have kind of a they have kind of a not sadistic sense of humor, but pretty close to it, I guess, or in some ways. Or like it. Oh my goodness! He read the tear the shit down. Oh my god! Oh wow! Well. They're they're weird. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so and, uh, also, let's see where we went. We, we went on a sky watch one time, and um, with night vision uh, uh, goggles with uh, Ed Grimsley and. Um, 
uh, Grimsley and Dr. Lear were, were pretty good friends, and he came over one time to Ventura County, where, where we're at, and we went on a sky watch, and uh, I brought my son along, and um, it was as if the UFOs were putting on a show. I mean, they were, they, we'd have, we'd see two, uh, obviously, objects in orbit, but it looked like they were about 400 miles up from what I, what I saw, and a lot of them were, were big enough to uh, see a, a definite disk, like, they must have been at least a mile in diameter. And um, Grimsley flashed at one with a uh, laser pointer, and it flashed back, and um, did that a couple times. And we saw ones orbiting in uh, in in the same orbit, uh, following each other. And we saw we saw ones uh, making S turns in orbit, and um, we saw ones that would slow down to almost a stop, and then 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 uh, speed up again and resume their orbits. And there's just no way you can do that with chemical fuels. It requires too much delta V. Um, so we were seeing, obviously, high-tech spacecraft that were anti-gravity driven or some sort of electric propulsion driven um, uh, in orbit, and um, uh, it seemed like it was the Greys putting on a show for us. I couldn't help it. Yeah, I had it. Because he was there. Good. Oh, yeah, they were showing off. Well, I had a similar thing where they... I was I was sleeping and the next thing I know I'm in um, like a ski chalet and I'm looking down over a valley and um, they they did the same thing they showed me every craft it was like the end of Close Encounters right but it was all for me and they're showing me all these craft but I'm not talking about way up in the sky they they came right over my head <laughs> and, and they kept coming from the left and the right and the top and the back behind me and then uh, after the display. Uh, they they took the whole sky and it was like a scroll <laughs> of words. It was all hieroglyphics. Uh, I don't know what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't anything I've ever recognized. And I said, what does it mean? What do you, what do you show me this for? What's it mean? And they said, oh, well, it, it'll make sense later. Don't worry about it. You'll know what it means later. I still don't know what it means, what they were showing me. But uh, and, then, um, and then I was shocked because I knew I was there, so I don't think they took me in my astral self because I could feel the wind on my face. I could feel the elements, and I went, oh, I'm really here, I'm really here. <laughs> so it was, I, I always like it, though. I get very excited and very happy and joyous that this is happening. So um, and I, I was just, like, so elated for days after that. So, But... I, Oh, and then later I went to that place. I was, um, it was in California. It was Mount Madonna, and that's where I met Sasha. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I, I was like, oh, this is where they brought me. Because I, I, it wasn't anywhere I'd hit it. The furthest west I had been was Ohio, right? I was living in Pennsylvania. And then I moved to Hawaii, and then I ended up going to California. When I met Sasha in 1990, um, what was it, 97, that's, um, that was about four years. Oh, that happened. I remember they said the date. It was August 31st, 1993, when they they showed that to me. So, And then I left. That was like a sign to leave. I had to leave Pennsylvania, and I had to move to Hawaii. If I was going to do the next phase of my life, I had to get out of there. So anyway, it was from all... Pennsylvania to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. It was... I didn't know anybody. I, I only knew one person. I left everybody knew. Yeah, so they do. Like you said, they tell you things to do. But I've never been um, guided in the wrong direction. Everything was just 
perfect. It's like, yeah, this is how, how my life was supposed to unfold. I would have never met Sasha if I had stayed in Pennsylvania. So I wouldn't have had this incredible life. Yeah. So I've always had positive Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they come up on my deck, uh, the small sport model. Um, and uh, it was a year ago now. It, it came up, it was towards the end of the year. I think it was December of last year. Uh, and it just it just hovered about six feet above my deck, and, and I'm going, what? And, you know, and they said, oh, we can't land on your deck. Your deck couldn't hold the weight. Oh, we're on our break. Uh, um, thank you, everybody. We'll be back in five minutes after this commercial break. and a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Well, you can, and Event Horizons will give you those truths when you're mad as hell and not going to take it anymore from that memorable scene in Network, you'll know just what to do. We will draw you in and become your news addiction at Event Horizons. Join us Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time at freedomslips.com at Revolution Radio. Our world team members are Dennis Fetcho, John Ilias, David Dunger, Hila Cass, MD, Melanie Richton, Jim Mars, Paula Harris, John Trallo, Maria Payan, Christopher Husser, DODDS, Jonathan Orchard, and me, your anchor, Dr. Robin Falco. If uh, you decide not to volunteer, it will not be held against you in any way. Sounds dangerous. It is. Very dangerous. Count me in. That's right here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, where information never sleeps. Is your data safe? Do you have the necessary information to assist you in confidently living through just about any survival situation? Is survival and gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Do you have your documents and your personal information in a safe place in your hands where you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. 
Over three gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation website, and much, much more, including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about here. With plenty of room left over to store your most important documents. Imagine if a megavirus or computer failure took out your bank, or all the banks for that matter. Are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired, you can say, hey, look, this is what I had. You have it. I want it back. Is your personal data safe? Family records? Addresses? Phone numbers? Well, squeeze on over to freedomslips.com. Yes, that's www.freedomslips.com. Click the banner on the homepage for the EMP proof bullet drive to get the full scoop of everything that we offer. So, folks, keep your data safe for your peace of mind. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Syrian diplomat reported today that their population is evolving rapidly and advancing into a fifth dimensional consciousness. They are seeking peace with all cosmic cultures, which may mean that the Earth will be asked to join the prestigious Galactic Federation of Light Alliances. Please join Debbie West and Michael Hathaway on Lost Knowledge. Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio A for the latest breaking news on the Star Visitor's peaceful contact and the ongoing project of cleansing the Earth. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning! Warning! We gotta stop us! They're gonna kill us all! See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings! Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part. To put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, by all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop, and you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. Right, you tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution
every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Studio B for Momentary Zen with host Zen Garcia at freedomslips.com, the people station. Do you or someone you know suffer from poor circulation, shortness of breath, or chest pains? Are you looking for a more natural solution to help overcome these problems? People tell us that after just a few months taking Extendivite, their doctors have noticed unexplainable improvements in their overall health. For more information, visit heartdrop.com or call 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. And tell them Nighthawk sent you, because if you call this number and tell them Nighthawk sent you, you'll get $5 off your first order at extendedbyte.com. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Are you muted, Janet? Janet uh, is uh, hosting uh, in a different uh, dimension right now. So this is Sasha, if you can hear me. Uh, I'd like you to uh, uh, tune in to us. We are trying to raise money to save our station and pay its bills. And uh, Mad will, in the meantime, tell you how to do that while I see what in the hell happened to Janet. <laughs> She's muted. it. Uh, you just come down to the homepage, which is revolution.radio, and hit the uh, funding button. Uh, we need $24.50, and we got $23.41, so that leaves uh, $109, and we got four days to make it. I think we can pull it off, folks. She'll appreciate it. She, she's showing muted, uh, Sasha. Uh, I'm going to go kick her in the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> okay, she wants us to carry on. Does that sound like fun? Let's let's carry on. All right, let's do that. <laughs> okay, so hey, what's the hottest thing that you'd like to share that's uh, uh, low minds and entertain us and teach us something? Uh, well, um, one thing that blew my mind was that these uh, these uh, implants and uh, perhaps some of the other um, alien uh, crash debris um, as well have uh, carbon nanotubes uh, inside them built into the metal, like a three-dimensional array of these things inside the metal that um, probably act as uh, electronics. And it's something that we're trying to do in earthly science right now, but it's apparently old technology to them. Um, you could, you could, in theory, make a carbon nanotube array uh, with uh, electronic array with um, metallic carbon nanotubes that are almost a perfect conductor as the wiring, and then semiconducting carbon nanotubes uh, acting as the diodes and transistors in the array, and it would be uh, much more robust um, and probably faster and 
smaller than what we're using now, a lot smaller. And um, so it's, it's, it's amazing to me that they could actually build that, build something like that into the metal on these things. It's, uh, these implants are probably like the equivalent of supercomputers. Um, wow. And, uh, they, they also transmit radio signals, and um, they're not always transmitting, but um, they, uh, they definitely transmit data uh, to whoever put them in. And um, uh, nerve cells grow into the device, so that's the way they're gathering uh, data from the body in a lot of cases. And um, um, uh, they, um, a lot of times the metal, the metal can be um, super strong, like it was in the case of uh, patient number 16. It came out of patient number 16's wrist. It was, the metal uh, part, portion of the implant was uh, incredibly strong. It couldn't be cut by uh, diamond tools, and that's unheard of. Um, uh, diamond tools are cut just about any metal, <clears throat> and um, it wouldn't cut this, and it, it scared the hell out of the shop owner that we took it to, and um, finally had to cut it with a uh, high-energy laser um, just to see the interior of the device. And um, yeah, there's a lot of mind-blowing aspects to these uh, these devices. Wow. Um, uh, you know, the, the question that immediately comes to mind, to my mind anyway, is what is the uh, source of uh, the monitor? Who or what is picking up the signal? Where does the signal go? What's on the other end of that? What kind of uh, 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 information and speculation do you have? Well, we don't, you know, the, 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 the standard answer is we don't know, but um, speculation based on what they've told me and what they've told other experiencers is that the signal goes to a central computer um, on the moon, which is the, the central computer that correlates information for experiencers and aliens in this sector. And um, uh, every individual in their society, including experiencers, um, are connected to the central computer that uh that stores and correlates all the the information uh, from their lives. Um, DARPA was actually actually uh, proposing a system like this. They probably got the idea from the aliens. Um, and um, every uh, experiencer's life is an experiment, and um, they they want to find out what their the presence in their presence in their lives and or any modifications they've made. Uh, you know what what effect that has without any uh, any big interference. Well, I'm I'm back. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're clear. Okay, good. I I had to go to another system. I I don't know what's wrong with my computer. When I mute when I mute it, I can't get back unmuted. So that correlates with the Lauren Spencer's information interview with the alien where he um wrote the book about the nurses interview from the nurse process after Roswell. They took the the main um gray et like she was the head of the mission and they interviewed her so it's a it's a series of on youtube at least it was a few years back and it's a book called interview with the alien interview and and she said that this is a prison uh system here it's a prison yeah. system and they they go yeah the, the facility on yeah, the moon and, and they can't get the souls out of here and that's why we're in this cycle of birth life death rebirth and they want to get us out of this system because about a thousand of the the gray souls got trapped in this cycle. Um, and they, I guess, they're the dropas from where was that China or Tibet or something. They yeah, got yeah. there were about a thousand of them. They got killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, they want us to uh, wake up and become conscious, and that's why 
a lot of the crashes, if not all of them are not crashes, they're intentionally giving us technology. They crash, so we think, oh, they crashed, we took them down. But they're really <laughs> um, Trojan horses, and they and they want us to reverse engineer because, well, you know, we're very creative uh, people. We have uh, the ability to image and imagine and we can get outside of the box, and perhaps we'll be able to figure out a way to, to break through this prison system, which has this part of the solar system or, or, or maybe this, yeah. maybe just our, our solar system in this prison system. We can't seem to escape. But, well, they, so. they, they told, they told me this is a prison, a prison planet and that the earth is, is under quarantine due to the, the ferocity and primitive nature of its life form or something, something like that. And they, um, they said that, um, that, um, they, um, uh, didn't say anything about uh, to me about uh, breaking through breaking through the system, but um, they they definitely wanted us to reverse engineer the the uh, crash uh, debris because if they, if they didn't, they would have just taken it back whether we knocked the knocked the uh, the aircraft down or not, spacecraft down or not. That's but, right. Um, um, they told me that they they want hybrids and uh and experiencers in their as part of their society because they made a mistake in wiping out all emotion through genetic engineering many many years ago and that they they, they want to use human creativity to try to advance their technology so they, they told you something similar then that's was in the alien interview yeah so that's you're getting the same thing that was reported by the nurse that interviewed errol her name was errol the gray uh, that was the Roswell Grace. It's in a book. You can um, pick it up, and and you'll be astonished what it says. It's basically oh, yeah. that. But but I, you know, I get a lot of this information too. Uh, so it correlates with what I know as well. But when I read that, I went, oh yeah, that's that's uh, the best um, uh, written uh, and um, video analysis of what's going on. So anyway, they want to get out of this system. They're helping us evolve, become conscious. And, you know, we're, we're very connected to them. Uh, we're in this close relationship. I don't get that they're evil or bad. I, I always, some of them are like not even uh, the gray souls. They're, they're, they're androids. So, you know, humans, when we make an android, it looks like data, right? It looks like uh, uh, Sophia. So they, when they make their androids, they look like grays. <laughs> but some of them are not um, souls. They're, they're androids. Yeah, they're they're very into making um, biological robots. They're they're not too into electronic robots, but they're very into biological ones. And yeah, some of the some of them probably are. Some of these so-called aliens we see probably are biobots or whatever you want to call them. And um, um, no, I don't, I don't think they're evil either. I think that 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 they're they're pure intellect. At least that's the way they strike me. Is that their emotions are vestigial compared to the ones humans have. And that's good and bad. I mean, you can't have uh, intelligence as high as they have, uh, from what they were telling me anyway, with, without uh, without uh, stunting the emotions somewhat. But um, they realize now that that you lose certain things uh, when you know, when you ban all emotions. Uh, creativity being one of them. Um, so um, they, they they feel they need a balance now of emotion and and uh, intellect. Right. Our biggest asset, the, the human beings can create. We are very creative. We have imaging process and we can image with our imagination. We can pull things down into material form by imaging it and then, you know, 
inventing it, creating it. So that's why we're so valuable. And that's what they lost. So that all correlates. Now, these uh, implants, did they... Um, Oh shoot! I lost Sasha's way to image uh, way to wave at me. Did they? Are they uh, from our government, or can you tell if they're from our government or if they're extraterrestrial? The ones I've seen are mostly the ones I've seen are mostly mostly alien because um, uh, they seem to be beyond our technology with the carbon nanotube electronics and all. Um, you know, they also one one amazing thing about them too is they don't they don't produce any. Um, any immune response in the body, no inflammation whatsoever, and that's unheard of. Uh, I don't think the government can do that, at least not yet. But um, and I, I've also seen some uh, devices that I think did uh, come from the government, and they're a lot bigger and uh, they're much more conventional uh, technology. Um, so, I, so I think most of these are definitely, um, in my opinion, alien. Okay, because they're so they're. They're technologically advanced over anything we have. So that brings us to like the nanotechnology. What are, yeah. what's this, are, is that part of how, why we're developing nanotechnology besides cleaning up uh, the blood and the uh, medical uses uh, and whatever? Yeah, I think they, they probably want the alien implant technology and they want na alien nanotechnology in general. Aliens use a lot of nanotechnology, like on board their craft. You probably remember this. Um, uh, a lot of times there's no door as we as we envision it that it's solid metal and then you just touch it and then it opens up the metal actually moves that's all nanotechnology and um, like these they have a bunch of uh, whole network of alien probes spherical alien probes that are about the size of a basketball that relay them data all throughout the world and um, they've got uh, electronics and propulsion and everything they need built right into the metal um, and all that's nanotechnology, just like with the implants, and um, it's just very uh, useful stuff that the government would like to have. So I think that I, I'm pretty sure they even got, they even got the tech, the idea for nanotechnology from the aliens. I don't think that they uh, thought that up on their own. Right. We tend to reverse engineer a lot of things, and that's what happened with the Roswell craft and other the technologies. You know, we have the night vision goggles and things from that reverse engineering, uh, all the stuff that uh, Lieutenant Corso got, plus other people that we're not aware of. So, um, Sash, I'm going to pass the talking stick back to you. Do you have well, uh, yeah, well, I really, I, I, indeed. Uh, you know, I just wonder, given the uh, information you're getting and the direct contact that you're having, have the men in black or the uh, uh, military uh, been uh, hassling you and getting into your head and getting and, and taking you too? Uh, in my head, no. I, I think I was taken um, back in 2015, uh, June of 2015, by um, a government agency. I think it might have been the NSA um, under regression. I remember guys and humans in uh, dark suits, and um, uh, they um, did some. Uh, physical damage to me at that point. I'm not sure what their motivation was, but um, I, I remembered under regression being on a, uh, I remember consciously at the time, just um, just uh, a lot of pain and, and um, being in a, in a room of, and on a, on a gurney of some kind under regression. I remember the guys in suits and um, a room that looked like a, the basement of some government building or an underground lab. And um, they had me on a, a hospital cart that, of human uh, design, 
and my uh, legs were in, in uh, metal uh, gauntlets that extended about up to the knee, and they had uh, pressurized um, liners in them, and um, it, they, uh, they pressurized uh, the one on the right leg to uh, what felt like, a, like over 150 PSI, and, and um, it, it was uncomfortable at first, and then it started really just, just becoming unbearable, and I, I, I freaked out from the pain, and that's all I remember, and then I, then I woke up, um, I woke up back where I went to sleep, uh, and um, I felt really groggy, like I was drugged, and uh, uh, it, it felt like my it felt like my ankle was broken, or there was something wrong with my leg, and I, I went to back to sleep, hoping it was all a dream. Woke up a couple hours later, and indeed, it was not a dream, and uh, my ankle was broken, and um, I found out. Over the oh wow! I had found out over the next few days that. Um, I had a massive blood clot in the main uh, the main vein from that leg, and um, the doctor thought I was going to die. Thought I was thought I was going to break off and go to my lungs, and uh, so I had to be on blood thinners for a while. And um, uh, I I made I made a full recovery, but um, uh, I know that the government did that to me. But I'm not sure whether they were trying to kill me or whether they whether it was an experiment gone wrong or what their motivation was. But um, it wasn't fun, but um, I'm going to keep on trucking and doing what I need to do. And uh, you know, just because, like the, like uh, like a man, like a wise man once said, just because uh, certain people do things they're not supposed to do doesn't mean that I should stop doing what I'm supposed to do. So, oh, right on, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you had that. Um, I've only had, I've never had like the men in black come to me. I've, I've had clients that have had to work for the men in black thing. Um, I had a, like an opposite thing. I had like angelic, uh, like angelic humanoids. They would come in, they didn't, you know, they didn't have the wings. But I had a, a thing where my, I had a very bad abscess tooth or, uh, no, I had a, that's what I have, I had what was called dry socket after getting my uh, wisdom teeth pulled in. And I went into like uh, chills and <laughs> I was very sick and uh, I had to get home from work and nobody would drive me. So I had to get on the bus. And Anyway, they, they helped me as soon as I got to the dentist and I was shaking and feverish and um, the whole, the, everybody in the office disappeared. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in a chair and there's nobody there. And I, you could feel, you could feel like something happened. Everybody left. And the next thing I know this, uh, this, beautiful doctor came in you know they always have the eyes right and he comes over and he has a, a, a his mouth covered most of his face is covered but his eyes are showing and he comes over and he does his healing on me um around my mouth and so he did some things and and then um he must have had the rest of the dental office you know uh, unconscious or something and then he came back and they came back. He let them come back, and they said, "You're done now. You can go home." But that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I've had like three incidences of these angelic beings come in, and, they, and uh, this is 3D, you know, regular life. I'm not sleeping. Um, I was getting an exam to go to. To uh, I, I want a scholarship for another year of of, of uh, college, and um, came in. Did I had to get an exam, and they came and did an exam, and. And he was touching my uh, stomach, and he says, "What's, what's going on there?" 
And anyway, he did some corrections in my intestines because I had probably had an obstruction and he uh, prevented. But th- there's a vibe to them. They're very, it's like your your third eye chakra is just vi- is vibrating very high speed the whole time there. And just, so who knows? They they made themselves look like beautiful humans. But for all I know, yeah. they could have been grays coming in the middle of the day and doing intervention. So, you know, because yeah, I'm make, on mission, right? You- they can make you, um, you think they look like whatever they want to look like. So um, it's hard to say. It's one of the most frustrating things about this phenomenon is that we're dealing with telepaths that can make people think uh, anything is real if they want to bad enough. And um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say too that I gave the I gave the doctor I didn't want to I gave the doctor a cover story. I didn't um, when I went to the doctor I didn't want to say that I. I woke up with the injury and didn't know for sure how it happened. So I, I just I told him I fell out of my motorhome and he didn't he didn't believe me and he told me that it was a twisting <laughs> injury like it was a twisting injury like a gorilla had twisted my uh, twisted my uh, foot really hard. Um, and um, so. Um, uh, well, sometimes they're they're not very careful. I remember getting returned and it seemed like they plopped me into bed from you know about three or four feet high or so, or even they just plop you and then you land you go <laughs> and all the air's out of you it's like oh my goodness can't you put me down you know sweetly and i remember that a couple times it's like yeah, please that's, that's be true. kind to yeah. my body yeah, yeah but they need some sensitivity training <laughs> the care yeah they're, they're not very of a human being no, not sensitive at all. <laughs> so, so you are doing some kind of research into nanotechnology. What got you interested in that? Was that because of your work with Dr. Lear, or were you going in that direction anyway with your um, job, or what? What's my, going my last, on there? My last job. My last job. I was on a um, a project to um, find new products based on uh, single wall carbon nanotubes and. Um, I just realized that it's a really hot, uh, up-and-coming uh, field, um, and uh, that got me interested in it. I'm, I'm trying to start my own nanotechnology company now, and um, I, there, there's a lot of possible products uh, to be uh, made with these uh, these materials. Um, uh, they're the world's strongest uh, known material. Uh, they have a strength-to-weight ratio, something like 200 times uh, greater than, uh, in, in theory anyway, greater than uh, steel. And um, they're uh, they're very light, yet, light yet strong, and they um, have they have unique electrical properties. Um, some types some types conduct um, almost perfectly like a superconductor, and others are semiconductors. And it, it depends on the way you, on the way the the layer of carbon atoms is wound into the tube. Uh, the most stable form of uh, carbon is graphite, and its stacks of um, Stacks of carbon atoms uh, double bonded together in a in a uh, hexagonal chicken wire type uh, formation. If you took a, a layer of carbon atoms from graphite and rolled it into a tube, that would be a carbon nanotube, a single wall carbon nanotube. And you, you can have multi wall, double wall, or multi wall carbon nanotubes one, where there's one inside the other too. But single wall carbon nanotubes have the most uh, potential. And um, one thing they're trying to do too is uh, use them to um, Strengthen materials, especially metals. If you could, um, if you could disperse uh, single wall carbon nanotubes in, 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 inside metal, uh, you could potentially make metals that 
that uh, would be uh, between 10 and 100 times stronger than um, any we have now. And I, indeed, I think that the um, material in the, the implant from patient number 16 was uh, one such, um, such, such material. Um, it had the highest concentration of carbon nanotubes we'd seen, but they were very well dispersed because they didn't show up on uh, scanning electron micrographs. And uh, I think uh, that accounted uh, for the, op the, uh, the material's extreme strength. Extreme strength. Okay, uh, do you have to uh, uh, have uh, this built into the metal, or could you uh, go to an existing bridge or something, and uh, once you've mastered this, uh, 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 up-level them? Or do you have to start from the the uh, making of the uh, uh, of the metal uh, form itself? Um, I'm not sure I understand the understand the question. Uh, what uh, could you when you, your when you are when you when you have, uh, uh, understand how to uh, uh, make these super strong me uh, metal alloys or uh, right. uh, combinations? Uh, do you have to? form the metal that you're baking the bridge with from the get-go or can you go to the brooklyn bridge and give it a shot of this stuff oh yeah okay yeah i think you have to um you have to uh, uh form the nanotubes and the metal together from the get-go i don't i don't think you could put nanotubes in into the metal after the fact that's uh, I, don't, I don't i don't i don't know of any way to do that anyway every way to uh, do this that's been proposed has has been um uh, the first method of, um, of forming them together at one time, and they, they, they have to be they have to be highly dispersed in the metal, and they have to be um, they also have to be uh, um, have to have a coating on the metal so that, it, uh, that makes it adhere to the metal. If it doesn't adhere, then it won't transfer its strength. So it's it's a pretty challenging thing to do. Wow! Thank you, thank you so much. Sure. So, what else would you like to tell us about your research, uh, your discoveries? Any, you know, we have like about a half an hour left. Where do you want to go with this information? What do you um, want to tell our people? Well, um, we we got one indication from um, uh, the implant that came out of my toe that um, that if the um, if the isotopic ratio analysis we have was accurate. Um, um, it might it might have come from not only another part of the another part another another part of the solar system but maybe another part of the galaxy entirely because the isotopic ratios uh, of these elements was not just a little off it was way off um, so the metal had either been exposed to um, uh, very high energy uh, a large amount of very high energy particulate radiation or it came from another part of our galaxy and um, uh, one of our associates thought that uh, thought that it definitely came from another part of our galaxy, and uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Kuhn's former uh, NSA cryptographer uh, was of that opinion. Where was Dr. Lear going to go with his research? Wait, 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 his wait, passing was this, okay. Wait, was this toxic? Is this do the implants have uh, toxic levels for the person that bears them? Is it bad for the person's body? Uh, no, apparently not, because they don't they don't produce any inflammation. You would think that if they were producing a toxic reaction, it would produce uh, inflammation around the site, and uh, you don't see any of that. Um, Dr. Lear did say that um, that people that are abductees tend to have um, 
night blindness and have low levels of vitamin A, whether that whether that is um, because of implants or not, I don't know. Um, and, uh, speaking for myself, I have I have just the opposite um, uh, uh, problem or whatever. I I I have um, night vision that approaches being a superpower of some kind. Uh, you know, I don't I don't I can see very very well at night and don't have any problem with night blindness and presumably have normal vitamin A levels. So um, there's different classes of experiencers. There's um, the class that I think you and I are, Janet, that I call class two experiencers that are trained and planted and uh, become part of the alien uh, uh, program on Earth and part of the mm-hmm. hierarchy. And then they have uh, people that they just they just take for samples and DNA samples, blood samples, uh, organ samples, that kind of thing, um, and uh, or, or use them as uh, breeding um, incubators. Um, and um, they're a lot more likely to ruin the health of those uh, those people. I call those class one experiencers. Um, yeah, I agree, and, and I think that that I, I just wanted to add. I think that. Uh, Mine was definitely some kind of a mistake that, uh, you know, I wish I would do some correction because I have horrible allergies and sinusitis. So maybe they have. Maybe it would have been worse if they hadn't done intervention. But I've had a, a lifetime. And, and they're probably, their technology is improving over the years as well. What was the yeah. earliest, uh, how old are you? Or, or I was taken, well, I, I was involved in his programs in the crib so we're talking about i was born in 1954 so you're younger than i am right yeah I'm, i was born in 1960 so i'm 58 <laughs> and um, and um uh, I, I do feel like their technology has advanced a little bit since then but they're off the steep part of the learning curve and um, that's that's part of the reason i said they're taking us is, is to um ad- get human creativity to uh, partner with us and advance uh, their technology faster than uh, they would have otherwise. Um, right. So you're, you're probably, so have, you're probably part, of the, part of the first um, the first class of, uh, of class two experiencers. And uh, yeah, I feel like there, yeah. there, there's been different classes, different, uh, different uh, batches, classes, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Are you okay, honey? You coughing? Okay. You look you, you look a lot you look a lot younger than your age too. So, and I think that's also characteristic of class two experiencers. So do I. Um, yeah, people don't know. They don't realize I'm that old. I'm going to be sixty five. But I I think I'm on mission, right? So they they do that with their super soldiers. Even even you know the well the the human super soldiers that are in the secret space program. I interview a lot of them. And they do everything to keep them alive because they've invested a lot in them. And I'm getting yeah. feedback. Why am I getting feedback? Anyway. Um, they have a lot invested in uh, in all class two experiencers, maybe especially in the super soldiers. I don't know. But um, I, I kind of have a, have some reason to believe that uh, I might have done some kind of things along those lines for them. But um, um, they, they definitely seem to want uh, a group of people um, that could potentially fight a war for them. They, they like... Um, they like uh, uh, Celtic people of Celtic background, Germanic background, and Native American background uh, the best to uh, make class two experiencers out of. That's a yeah, and I'm definitely a Celt. Oh, really? Okay. 
So he yeah. correlates with that. Yeah, I'm definitely a Celt. Um, I'm Scotch, Irish, Dutch, French, German, and English, mainly UK English. So, um, so that's what we're finding. They well, they've had a lot of uh, like her, what was his name, Rodriguez. He's he's uh, Latinic. But they, they look for certain qualities and characteristics for their super soldiers. Uh, they they like the people that are naturally psychic, and they enhance yeah. those. But they do seem to have different categories, like you're talking about. Some are like the grunt workers, and some, like Randy Kramer, they be, they become you know leaders. Some are just doing all this grunt work. Some are used for um, slaves, sex slaves. All this stuff is coming out. I don't know what, uh, how far. So, Doctor Lear was interviewing these people as well. Like he was getting uh, these yeah, stories. He, yeah, he did. He, he did a lot of interviews with uh, experiencers as well, and I, I, I picked up, um, picked up the ball on that one, and I've been, uh, been running with it, and uh, ever since. And um, I think it's very interesting uh, research to, to just get people's stories and um, scan them for implants and uh, indications of. Uh, Recent alien abduction, um, and to see if see if there's consistencies, and there there almost always are. Um, one thing I'd like to mention too is that um, is that uh, you can tell if somebody's been recently abducted by uh, the presence of um, uh, indelible UV fluorescent dyes left behind on the body, and sometimes on uh, like the carpeting and the walls next to the person's bed. Um, and um, it takes like a month, uh, up to a month, to wash off the body afterwards. Uh, they're they're darn near indelible, and it uh, it takes a while for the skin. They don't come off till the skin wears off. And um, they're they're different colors: uh, blue, uh, yellow, green, and uh, and orange being the most common. Now, are they always touching their their subjects, or are they, you know, sometimes you're going astrally. Sometimes you're going physically. Yeah. What I find is no, I don't really have the, I don't have the delivery, and you know I don't have the them delivering and taking me anymore. It's like I'm just there. All of a sudden I'm there. Uh, I'll be on another planet. Uh, I'll be in a ship. Sometimes the ships are assembled uh, by our minds. It's another another. Uh, you know you have your mechanical ships, but we're going to create this. For this this uh, episode, we're all going to gather. So that's what they told me about the facility where we were um, in the the large meeting with 100,000 beings. They said, "Well, this is only a temporary facility. We've created with our group mind, and when we leave, it's no longer going to be here." <laughs> so that was interesting. I said, "Oh, that's interesting." Um, but that that ties in with the uh, Dr. Michael Newton Institute information, uh, where they go. Uh, the hypnotized people go light between lives. And so apparently when in the dead zone or the other dimension, a lot of the buildings where they hold their classes, they they just kind of create it. And it's based on the architecture that the participants like. So they'll create a class and it'll be, um, you know, like the Coliseum or something. And or some people, uh, some, some groups, like they have their classes in gardens and stuff like that, beautiful gardens. So it seems like it's... Um, a manifestation of the of the group mind that creates these the temporary environments, but once they break and they break up their meeting or their class or whatever they're doing, it just goes shoop, disappears. 
So I don't know if you've encountered anybody of those. So what are the strangest stories that you've heard from experiencers with your interviews? Uh, the strangest story, um, I, I ran across or, or uh, most... an experiencer at the UFO Congress that um, that had what looked like a, it was, well, it was, it was a, a grapefruit size um, uh, tumor on her, um, on her ankle area, uh, on her right leg. And she said that a, um, she said that a, uh, a praying mantis type being implanted some sort of um, some sort of uh, organism into her leg and was going to harvest it later on. Um, and I said, aren't you uh, considering having that taken off? And she said, no, I wouldn't dare do that. And, and uh, that was pretty strange. Um, and um, oh, let's see. Um, um, I ran into a couple of people that said that they had uh, they'd been taken to the moon uh, to um, uh, facilities there. And um, um, let's see. Um, what, what's what's I, going on in the moon? Are you getting any stories uh, about there's a massive what the facilities are like? Going, there's a massive mining operation going on on the moon. I know that. I think I've been there, too. I remember being there twice, as a matter of fact, for, in, most recently in 2011. And the main alien base is on the far side, uh, almost right in the middle of the far side. Um, and um, uh, remember, they have a, they have a, a big um, glass building with sides a mile on a side and, and um, very transparent. And they do a lot of spacecraft assembly work in there. Yeah, there's a lot of valuable minerals on the moon. They mine both from the surface and underground. And there's massive, there's massive caverns on the moon. Um, that's been done for a long time. It just hasn't been talked about. I mean, you can prove it mathematically that the moon must be partially hollow. Uh, when you, if you assume that the um, that the average density of the rocks is about the same as the density of the stuff the Apollo missions brought back, which it probably is, uh, and you um, you do calculations on from the gravity on the mass and um, do calculations on the density based on uh, based on the size and the mass, then uh, you have to come, come to the conclusion that it's got to be at least 30 or 40 percent empty space. Um, and uh, the second piece of evidence is the, the moon rings like a bell for hours when something hits it. They felt they found that out in the Apollo program and it scared the hell out of them. And they they tried to cover it up. Um, <laughs> So the moon is um, it's, it's begun. It's, it's increasingly looking like the moon is either um, a totally artificial body uh, uh, with a shell probably made of titanium that, that's discovered by dust right now, um, or it's um, or it's a, uh, a natural moon that's uh, been mined for so long that it's partially hollow at this at this, at this point in time. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it may have been mined for millions of years. I mean, the, the, there's indications that aliens, of, uh, different types of aliens, have occupied the moon for millions of years. There's ruins that are definitely millions of years old on both sides. Um, right. From, uh, from I, um, Clementine and from the Lunar Orbiter series. I've seen a lot of the pictures. I, I like that ship. <laughs> and they, I don't know about that uh, that alien that was found a ship, but it's an interesting story, and I I identify with her. I think it's cool. You've seen that. The, it's supposed yeah, to be one of the later Apollo, missions. Apollo 18. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah, those. That, They're very interesting. Yeah, that, that was um, very interesting. I, 
they said that Apollo 18 took off from Vandenberg. Um, yeah, that must have woke a lot of people up to launch a Saturn V from Vandenberg. But um, uh, I guess uh, I've, uh, I've been, been led to believe that Santa Maria was much uh, the closest town, was much smaller at that time. So maybe they did. Um, wow. And um, uh, they definitely knew there, there were a lot of aliens on the moon. They were warned off. Uh, of doing any kind of uh, continuous uh, operations up there, that's why um, that's why they never went back. And um, there may be there, it's it's possible that Apollo 13 was uh, was damaged by by the aliens because they may have been carrying a nuclear warhead to the moon. I don't know if you heard about that. But, oh uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know what to believe on that. Whether to believe the official story or, or believe the other story that says that. Um, that Apollo 13 was carrying a nuclear warhead to the moon to, to detonate after uh, the astronauts left to, in order to refine uh, seismic models of the moon, which that sort of makes sense because um, Apollo 12 had crashed the um, the ascent stage of the lunar module into the moon. That's when they found they first found out that it rings for hours after rings. The uh-huh. Apollo, Apollo 11 and 12 seismometers were already in place, and then um, Apollo 13 could have been uh, Apollo. Um, Apollo 13 crashed their uh, their uh, uh, third stage into the moon to make a bigger bang, and um, they may have been planning on following that up with a small nuke, which which that makes perfect scientific sense to to um, uh, try to do bigger and bigger explosions to refine your your uh, models of the moon. Um, they may have been thinking that that when they had more seismometers uh, on the moon, um, they could um, kind of see structures in the interior. Well, with a big enough uh, uh, blast to get uh, waves to, waves going, seismic waves going. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Bill Tompkins' information? Have you looked into that? Uh, Remember, I, Bill Tompkins I, came out last year. I think I, I think I've heard I've heard his information, but would refresh my memory, please. Um, he was, um, uh, Bill Tompkins, he died, uh, 2017. He, he made it to the MUFON conference in July of 2017. Yeah. And then he, he died. He was like in his nineties and he was in, he was like a kid in the candy store. He was telling me a story. He just, um, released a book called Selected by Extraterrestrials. And he had been part of the extraterrestrial program since, uh, before, World War II, or at the beginning of World War II, I forget the exact time frame. And so he had—he uh, was one of these people that had a photogenic memory, so he could see. Um, his dad would take him to see the, the naval ships, and he would go back and he would make these little um, models, three D models, and they were so accurate they had, you know, this—the uh, stuff that most people don't recognize, the weaponry, and and uh, so they. His dad was displaying them in the front of his. Uh, business window and some of the military saw it and they said holy shit this is top secret stuff and this kid who just you know walked through the the ship for an afternoon went back and did a 3d model so anyway he had this natural ability to design an engineer so he became part of the uh, the program and it, they designed um the secret space program they they it wasn't just one ship that they got to the moon they had a whole program for you know bringing up uh, modulated you know, modules of, of housing and 
a bunch of ships, all, all kinds of designs and taking hundreds of people, not just, you know, this little public program with three people. But when they got there and they landed around the rim of, uh, what was the name of the, anyway, the, the, the uh, crater, were uh, these other ships and they, they basically, when they landed, it's like, oh, shit. You know, they were told to get out. You know, they'll come back. And, oh, that was that was, that was um, Neil Armstrong talking about Apollo Eleven. Um, they were definitely right. followed, to the moon, yeah. followed to the moon by a UFO. Um, Buzz Aldrin confirmed that on TV uh, a few years back, um, and um, they even asked uh, uh, Houston whether it was their third stage, and they said no. Your third stage is six thousand miles away, and this object they said was about best guess was about ten miles away, and they could. They couldn't quite make out what it, what its shape was, but some some sort of UFO followed them to the moon. And um, then, uh, according to to um, uh, witnesses and ham radio operators, they they said that something uh, landed on the moon right after they did. And I think that's part of the reason that they uh, they wanted to uh, do the moonwalk uh, early rather than resting first, like the plans called for. They wanted to get the hell out of there. Oh. <laughs> Well, these were already there, so they landed, and they were surrounded by all these craft, and they, they were, you know, there was a base there, and there was all this stuff there, and uh, that's what the story is. So they they were allowed to do their little rock gathering, but they weren't able to go past that. But, you know, who knows? There's all these stories. Sash, what do you want to add? Uh, just uh, the you know uh, 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 Bob, you know Bob, Master Sergeant Bob has uh, shown us pictures of the Bob Dean of the mining operations. He was, he was, he was, he was a great guy. He was he was a, he was a great loss to the field as well. I mean, it's a strip mine. I've seen a strip mines just like that in uh, uh, in New Mexico. It's just a, a large scale strip mines and the other interesting thing is that the russians are publicly landing a uh, probe on the dark side of the moon this month i think it is actually or oh, next the month. russians are the now too the chinese already Pardon? did it so is it the chinese well, everybody... landed one recently they're trying to establish claims, mineral claims on the whatever's on the other side of the, yeah. of the moon. I, I don't, I, I don't think that's going to fly. But uh, I guess I'll find that out in due, due course. But um, uh, I don't think the aliens are going to permit that. Oh, you, um, you should, you know, we know that they've shot down uh, 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 one of the Mars probes that was armed just the way you said with a with with a. Just a, a nuclear discharge. This was aimed at Mars, and you can. You know, we've got films of this a missile coming up behind the probe and blowing it up. And that, you know, yeah, they they, they, they made a shot down. They made a shot down the Russian Phobos two probe. That's what you're talking about. Um, yes, exactly. It's the Phobos two. Yeah, that that seems to. Definitely seems to follow. Phobos. Phobos is supposed to be a major base for the Greys as well. Um, a Russian astronomer said uh, back in at the at the last part of the, of the 1800s that uh, that Phobos uh, its orbit was decaying a lot faster than it would if it were a solid body, and he, he said it was hollow. And it turns out that he was probably right. Uh, the pictures of um, of Phobos uh, from our recent probes um, indicate that. Um, it, 
it looks like it has entrances into the, in, in the into the interior and estimates of the mass indicate it's hollow as well. From wow. spacecraft flybys. Wow. So we have about five minutes left. What do you want to cover? Oh, um, well, what any questions by the audience? Uh, anybody calling in? Uh, I don't think we have anybody that called in, but uh, let oh, me go yeah, over I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what. Imagine that that you you're now sum, summing up, uh, letting it all come together in in the uh, uh, in, in some kind of direct simple form. What what have you learned from this this study uh, that you've been doing for the last you know, um, couple of decades of stuff? Well, I, I guess I I would say that I've learned that the the alien abduction phenomenon is definitely real and. Um, they're uh, abducting uh, or, or uh, contacting um, at least thousands of people um, per day, flying thousands of sorties per day, um, uh, taking people and taking uh, samples of uh, DNA and uh, organs and blood and a lot of other stuff, and that they also um, uh, implant and train uh a percentage of those experiencers, those contactees, uh, to be a part of their agenda on Earth. There's um, there's, few, there's not enough graves to do what they want to do, so they uh, they use uh, qualified humans as uh, labor to help, as a labor force to help them, and they do a lot of things uh, from helping with the abductions, calming people down, to helping with medical procedures, to um, helping with uh, you know tending the uh, artificial limbs they use to reproduce themselves, um, just a bunch of stuff like that. Wow. And um, um, the, uh, they're, they're here uh, to mine the Earth-Moon system and uh, uh, ensure the long-term survival of humanity and improve us as a species and probably for several other uh, reasons as well, like uh, uh, some, of, some of which uh, Janet mentioned earlier. Um, and um, if I had to sum it all up, and they, use, they of course, use very advanced technology, and there's not much beyond their capabilities. Uh, I've seen enough to indicate that they're uh, probably a million years in advance of us or something like that. Um, um, they like to show off their capabilities once in a while. Like, for example, um, um, when I was at um, Dr. Lear's office for um, a measurement of, uh, of uh, a magnetic field and uh, radio signals from my implant while all my while I was still on my toe um, he tried to get my x-ray out and we found out that it was in a stack of x-rays he finally found it when he got it out um, uh, we found that the lettering on the outside of the envelope had been transferred to the developed film somehow I mean I don't I don't know of any way huh? even in theory I don't, I don't know of even <laughs> in any way even in theory you could do that and they did it though um, so there's, there's not a whole lot beyond their capabilities. Um, and, uh, they, they have a strange sense of humor, like the, that, that bull incident at the Skinwalker Ranch, I think it was an example of them showing off their capabilities as well. Um, so, um, 
Uh, and we, yeah. I, one thing, oh, one thing I've learned is that we, we've reversed it. We all, a lot of our technology we've reversed engineered from them. Like um, the integrated circuit is basically gray technology, uh, night vision, right. and a lot of other stuff. Of course, I mentioned. Uh, uh, I have no doubt that we got from them. And uh, so, that's, are you that's writing a book, or do you have a book? Do you have yeah, a I'm book? Do you have a I'm website? Writing, I'm, writing, I'm writing a book uh, that's a uh, survival manual for class two, uh, class two experiencers, and um, I should have that out this year sometime. Oh, when you get your book, we'd love to read it. We'll have you back on again. And do you have right. a website? Do you uh, have yeah, some my way that is uh, is uh, alienevidenceinc.webs.com, and um, it's. Um, uh, it, it says well, it, it has some of the uh, the pictures of the dyes and um, uh, the papers on uh, the implants that I've uh, I've written. And um, are you going to be any conferences where people can come get a scan? Are you going to be anywhere I, where people can come up and get a scan? Uh, yes, actually, I'm going to be at uh, at, at uh, the UFO uh, MegaCon uh, conference in Laughlin, Nevada, from um, March 23rd to the 30th, and I'm going to be doing scans and. Um, Anybody who uh, wants a scan should uh, sign up in advance with uh, one of the conference directors, Laurie and Fenton. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a major, uh, one-of-a-kind uh, uh, conference. I think it's going to be a blast for everybody. Um, it's um, uh, certainly lining up. Okay, we're out of time. We're out of time, Steve. Thank you so much. Much love okay, and blessings. Thank you, listeners. Aloha. Thank you so much. Listen to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. We'll be right back after this message. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener-supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. for tuning in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we are listener-sponsored and commercial-free, but there still are bills to pay. In order to raise some needed funds to cover the cost, our station is offering a silver special. 
in the continental United States for a $60 donation, or in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada for a $70 donation, we will send you an uncirculated 2018 one-ounce pure silver eagle. The $70 donation, uh, the extra 10 is to cover shipping, by the way, outside of the continental United States. When making the donation, you must put Silver Eagle promo in the notes on the donation. And thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at revolution.radio and freedomslips.com. Without you, there is no less. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Take a look around, kid. What do you see? Homes being foreclosed. People working two, three jobs just to put food on the table and still drowning in debt. Don't get me wrong. This country was founded on great ideals and principles. They've all been ruined by the banks. Open your eyes to the banks that are robbing you. You know who my favorite president was? Who? Thomas Jefferson. Because he saw all of this coming and tried to stop it. He fought the banks. JFK too, and they killed him for it. The banking institution is more dangerous than an army, he said. He also said that every generation needs a revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just the dream. War is a continuation of politics. Only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics by other means. This is our bank. This is our bank. This 